This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. The great donut heist of 2018. Uh, Julian Assange is a slob. Stephen Miller's teacher's thoughts on, well, Stephen Miller. Uh, Rick's brush with Robert Redford. And our Minutia Minute with Carmen Fanzone. Cubs All great. that and unlimited tangents. A lot of them. Lots of great stuff on this week's Minutia Men. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Another episode of Minutia Man with uh, Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. We're ripping these out like every week. <laughs> well, actually, literally, we are. <laughs> Clockwork. Boom, boom, boom. Um, how are you doing, Dave? You look... Uh, well, I'm more concerned about you. Let me... Yeah. Uh, yesterday's conversation that I had with you yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Do you remember this yesterday? Uh, is uh, this uh, involving the construction project no, around no, my no, house? No, no, no. Uh, um, so I was talking. We're you know we're busy. We're yeah, moguls. We right? are. We're on the phone all the time. Yeah. Know? Hey, did you get that deal done? We yeah. need that PO uh-huh, signed, uh-huh. Or whatever. <laughs> so I'm talking to you yesterday, and you're and let me see if I can do a Rick Kempfer uh, impersonate. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. so we're going to you know, go to call. We go to call. And then you just start groaning. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I actually, I was I was in the car yeah. yesterday, uh, picking up my mother from the airport. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I went to. Fasten my seatbelt, <laughs> and I and I twisted my back, and that was very painful. Yeah, right. And my good friend Dave made fun of me. I could have taken two routes. I could have gone, "Hey Rick, is everything okay? Should I send help or laugh?" And I decided to take the laughter. Yeah, route. that's a that's a real shocker, by the way. The um, well, there's a I, I have a story. Hey, yeah. we've got all the time in the world. Well, right? Yeah, well, lay it on me. You know, Steve Quinn, our good buddy Steve Quinn, back in the early nineties. Yeah, I was on the phone with him at the exact second that I passed a kidney stone, <laughs> and I'm just you know in agonizing pain. Anybody who's had a kidney stone knows it's like thirty times more painful than childbirth. Yeah, right? I, I've said that to my wife, and yeah, she, she loves that. Me. Right. Yeah, you know the cold I had last week was like yeah. three times more painful than. Are I you still childbirth. sick, by the way? Yeah, a little bit. Can yeah. you can you hear it a little? We're bit all easily? very worried about you. So when I was on the phone with Quinn and I was passing this kidney stone. He's like, tell me about the pain. Is it really bad? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and I'm like fainted. So there you go. Well, I guess I was confused about the call because you called me like 30 times yesterday. And one of them was to uh, to tell me about a review that we got. Yeah, we got. And it looks to be like this guy really. It was this like. This is a, not one of these. Not one of the more than 190. Right, right. Uh, positive reviews on iTunes. This was a actual podcast reviewer. Named, uh, what's his name? Uh, Morgan Rector. Mm-hmm. And uh, you read it to me on the phone. And um, I believe you thought it was a negative review. Uh, at first I did. But yeah. well, why don't you, do you have it in front of you? Yeah. Let's see here. Um, why don't you read it? So he gave it three M's. And I was reading his. Uh, That's like, And it's like, kids, you got something good here, all right? Yeah. Right. Three, out of, three out of four. Yeah. Not bad. No, all right. Um, and here's the first line, which is a good start. Yeah. I can't say anything bad about this show. You put a period there. Right. And, and uh, do you need to know any more than that? Good enough is good enough, my <laughs> friend. Uh, it reminds me of the kind of FM morning show co-hosted by two dudes that has proliferated since Howard Stern broke the new ground upon which they stand, yeah. which I think is a fair statement. Yeah. Right. We're two dudes. We are two dudes. In a basement, in your mom's basement. Yeah. Dave Stern, no relation to the aforementioned Howard, and Rick Kempfer, 
And by the way, why why do you get top billing? Isn't it called <laughs> this Rick is the and first Dave? Time, this is the first time in our career that I've ever been. And you're just not dealing with this well at all, are you? It was Rick and Dave. It's yeah. Rick and Dave. It's not Dave and Rick. Not with Morgan, it isn't. Okay. Uh, well, they're about as edgy as any guy who uses the word penis on FM radio. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck he's talking Ooh, about. <laughs> listen to the edge. Listen to the Come edge. Come on, Morgan. Right here, buddy. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, most guys don't use the word penis on the radio. No, right. So we are edgier than most guys on the radio. Uh, let's see what else. Um, it's, in other words... This is a clean, relatively wholesome entertainment, the type that you can hear on terrestrial radio in between commercials for large box furniture stores and car dealerships. Yeah. That seems... That's perfect. It's not not negative. No. I'm wondering if they're pandering to some radio station they hope will hear this show and hire them as a duo for their morning drive show. And we are. We're We're available. (laughs) We are pandering, too. Let's go. We're available, as long as it's not too much of a hassle. You know, and if there's health insurance and maybe monthly parking, I think I'm okay. With and that. I really, do we want to do mornings? No. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be better to be like, I don't know. 1030 to 1110. Middays. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I, we, we're maybe a little picky. Um, but it says here they deserve it. Yeah. They deserve it. They deserve a morning show. They read offbeat news stories and get laughs largely by reporting to us what was reported to them. The world has gone crazy, and that brings comfort to people who have their act together, like us, out there in the suburbs. Like this, the basement. We take great pride in that. And yes, we are, because of a major construction project outside of my house, we are once again coming to you live from my mother's basement. Which, as 55-year-old men... Not at all humiliating. Not at all humiliating. Um, now, again, I'm not putting them down. They both have strong broadcasting voices and can keep a dialogue going effectively with energy and color. 22 minutes after 6 o'clock, we've got weather. <laughs> we'll be right, right back that. after Led Zeppelin. <laughs> we could totally do that job. <laughs> it's just that compared to some of the edgier podcasts out there and what is commonly known as the Wild West of Communications, this show can come across as tame. Yeah. Well, you know Tame. what? I'm okay with that. And yeah. in, if if we were in the Wild West, we would be the two guys with allergies in the saloon. Yeah, anyways. I mean, Tame, that pretty much yeah. sums we up our whole lives. We would not be lives. participating in the shootouts. We no, would, uh, no. It says here, if Tame is your thing, mm-hmm. and Tame should be your thing, uh, you should listen to this show. The best part, because it's a podcast you can listen to in, on your schedule. So you can listen to it anytime you like. And here's, here's really the only thing thing that kind of hurt me yeah. in this all right it doesn't take a lot of risk but it's a show you can listen to with your grandfather without worrying about him getting offended well, by coarse language and unconventional ideas well it's possible that we are old enough to be this guy's grandfather <laughs> that's probably true so, uh, he looks like he's at least 20 years well i'll take it and it younger went, than us and when he said that you can uh, listen to the podcast anytime you can because you could subscribe on itunes spotify Stitch. That was a segue. That was oh, an FM segue right there. Did you hear perfect. that? Perfect. Um, so yes, please do. So you know, let's let's uh, give ourselves some credit. That was not a terrible review. Not at all. And if you guys, uh, anybody who's listening, please go on iTunes or any of the other third party retailers that carry us and give us re- re- reviews and listen to the show with your grandpa. What's <laughs> exactly. he doing today? Exactly. And if he's dead, go to the grave. Exactly. Put it on the speakers. All right, Dave, I I think uh, we do have to provide minutiae. It's in the title of the show. I think uh, we have no choice but to do so. 
and we have audio to kick it off. Here we go. This week's Minutia with Rick and Dave. All right, so you have something. Dateline, Spokane, Washington. Is it Spokane or Spokane? Spokane. Spokane, Spokane Washington. Yeah, Minnesotians. Uh, here's the headline out of Washington, the Pacific Northwest. Missing donut truck attracts plenty of police <laughs> attention. How long does it take for three or three Spokane police cars to find a missing donut truck, Rick? How long? Not Dave? long. Not long. The great donut heist of 2018 began Monday at around 5, 5 a.m. at Casual Friday Donuts, the popular donut destination at 3402 North Division Street in Spokane, Washington. You know who's from Spokane, Washington? Hmm. Uh, Chicago broadcasting legend Joel Daly. Oh, yeah, that's that, that's right. Yeah. Um, Ambie Owens, who runs the shop with her husband, Joe Owens, the Owens, mm-hmm. the Owens from Spokane, uh, said a worker had made a or had left a mid 70s black Dodge van running in the store's parking lot for about five minutes while it warmed up. But when he returned, it was gone. The donut truck, the donut truck. That's a bunch of crap, right? Uh, they came out. They looked. It was gone. So they called 911. What you got to do. Right. And within minutes, <laughs> 75 police cars showed up. Donut emergency. Right. <clears throat> oh, we've got only a few people in all cars. Right, right, right. <laughs> Drop everything you're doing. So uh, there you go. Now, was there a happy ending to this story? Did they did they track down yeah, the was uh, donut thief? And uh, uh, Speculation is, is that. The guy didn't put the parking brake on and it rolled like down a hill. And I guess Spokane could be very hilly. Ah. Uh, but what, you know, when I was thinking about this, yeah. uh, one of my favorite podcasts that I've been listening to lately is the Black Podcast. In fact, you've, you listen to it as well. Right? Yes. Uh, Cameron and Dre, they do a great job. Right. So I'm thinking about this as far as cops and donuts. Those are white cops, right? The, I, no, I, no, no, no. This is a universal thing. So it crosses ethnic oh, boundaries. Absolutely. I, I used to live uh, in the Gold Coast area in Chicago, uh, and there were donut shops all over the place. And, you know, the the Gold, it's Gold Coast sounds like a fancy place, but at that time it was three blocks away from Cabrini Green. Right, right, right. right. And, and there was a donut shop right there. And there were always cops in there, and they were uh, of all different stripes. So, really, in a way, donuts kind of bridge the ethnic boundaries of everything. Donuts could bring this, you know, blue lives matters, black yeah. lives matters. We are together. the world. <laughs> right, exactly. Give me a strawberry Bismarck and save the world, baby. Uh, so, there you go, Spokane, okay. Washington, donuts, cops. I got a story for you. This one uh, involves uh, Julian Assange. Oh. Who is the uh, the person who in charge of WikiLeaks? Yeah. Who is holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy for <laughs> the last couple of years? <laughs> but it's beautiful. I'm sure it's a really <laughs> spacious dorm room. He's been accused of some sort of crime. I believe it was uh, actually uh, like rape or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, some right. sort of so serious crime, which he says is a trumped up charge. Trumped um, up, fake yes, news. exactly. But anyway, uh, you know, so he's been there for a while. And this is kind of a funny uh, story here. Ecuador has ordered Julian Assange to stick to a new set of house rules, including avoiding contentious political issues, (laughs) cleaning his bathroom, and looking after his cat if he wants the internet reconnected. (laughs) This is like a note that you leave. For your kids. Yes. Do your homework and I'll give you the Wi-Fi password. Listen, young man, until your homework is done, no internet for you. Yeah. Clean up your room. I know you call it WikiLeaks, yeah. but it's not that hard to hit the target. Um, but anyway, I just well, that's thought, edgy. 
I'm talking about urine. That is totally edgy. Morgan, did you hear that, buddy? But I just thought that was funny, and it made me think. Uh, you know, so apparently uh, Julian Assange is, is kind of a he's kind of a slob. Yeah, evidently. Right, which you know I've got no problem with that. I'm kind of a slob yeah, myself, uh, of and, course. As are you. Um, we still live together, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, those are days. <laughs> but I decided to look into famous slobs. Okay. All right. Throughout time. And I'm going to quiz you on I'm going to call this a minutiae quiz. All right. Sure. I'm going to read you about this famous slob and you can see if you can try to guess who it is. Oh, that's good. That's a great idea. Okay. Here we go. Where's my minutiae quiz audio? Time now for a minutiae man. Minutiae man. Minutiae quiz. All right. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Uh, this is a famous person that lived in America. Apparently, he was a voracious smoker. He would even go so far as to pick up cigarette butts on the street to smoke. In addition, he was allegedly pretty lazy when it came to his physical upkeep. He never wore socks or combed his hair. One thing that's for certain is his workplace was far from spotless. And here's a quote about his workplace. If a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, of what then is an empty desk a sign? Einstein. Very good. Yeah, yeah, I think I heard How did that, you know that? I think I heard that quote You've before. heard the quote before. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Did you ever hear, here's a quick story. Yeah. You know what? We don't need quick stories. No, no, right? no fine. Can, um, Lay it on me. I had a drama teacher in college. Um, his la- Roman. You took drama? It was, it was one of those like speech Oh, combo. theater 178. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was the yeah. four hours of free aid. When you said Roman, I, I, I had that Roman class Tim too. Roman Shimshin. Yeah, yeah. Remember that guy? It was like a. Uh, yeah, um, it's like history of theater. Yeah, like thing. Greek theater right, yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, okay. You know, his um, son won Star Search. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. So Roman Timshinshin, yeah. I think is how you pronounce his name, said that he was in New York in like the late 40s, early 50s, or now, now probably 60s, let's say early 60s. Yeah. And he was walking down the street, and a mob of people went to a woman across the street, and it was Marilyn Monroe. Really? And an old man was knocked aside when all these people were running toward Marilyn Monroe. Guess who that old man was? Albert Einstein. Yeah, and he took Albert Einstein out for a cup of coffee. Really? Yeah, and talked and spent, I don't know, I guess time is relative, so 45 yeah. minutes or 400 After they years. picked up a, like a cigarette bit <laughs> off the street and smoked <laughs> right, it. Right. <clears throat> so that's a pretty cool story. That is a cool story. I think that's a cool scene in a movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I've got I've got one for another. I got three or four of these. Let's go. This is about a king. All right, so we're going back in time a bit. This king only took three baths his entire life, and only because his doctors forced him to. Such hygiene obviously had an impact on his health because the king died of gangrene after refusing treatment for it. King Tut. Uh, King Louis the Fourteenth. Okay, I can, I can right. see that. All right. Uh, this one's about a famous movie star. Uh, oh. Okay. Mel Gibson. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is about a girl, okay. a lady. Uh, she was flatulent, dirty, and ate in bed. Like Jean Harlow, she bleached all her pubic hair, never wore panties. Edgy. <laughs> she suffered from what today would be described as irritable bowel yeah. syndrome. She rarely bathed. She slept in the nude. She ate in bed. And after she was done eating, she would just shove her plate under the sheets before going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I think I actually lived with her in college. Yeah. Uh, Who's that? What? Can you give me a year? Or, it's just an actress. It's an actress. 
Can you narrow me down? This this was read to you from a, a Clark Gable um, Book? biography. Judy Garland. No, it was Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, Marilyn Monroe. Oh. Apparently, uh, yucky. Ugh. <laughs> All right, another king. Ready? Yeah. And this will be my last one here. Early in life, this king could not keep the ladies away. This changed. Elvis. Dr- no. Different king. This changed dramatically later in life when his hygiene and overall upkeep diminished drastically. Apparently, he suffered from a leg wound that oozed pus and prevented him from getting much exercise, so he gained a lot of weight. He was estimated to be more than 300 pounds, and he had to be carried everywhere by his servants. He also had swollen gums, loose teeth, and horrible breath. King. King. British king. King Louis the something? I don't know. King uh, King Henry the Eighth. The Eighth. There you go. There I you am. Go. I am. There you go. There All right. Go. Well, guess what? We have a winner. Oh, fantastic. Uh, the winner is Small Town Mentality. That's right. the Twitter. That's the Twitter, Twitter feed. Twitter okay. Feed. Uh, what they did, and they're out of Evanston, Wyoming. Did you know that there was an Evanston, Wyoming? I did not. Uh, they got themselves two Amish Chicago coffee mugs. Did I tell you I found another box yeah. of those? Uh, Safe Inside by Lee Kingsmill, a, an award nominee. That's right. Uh, and uh, you know what? That was basically it. Like, Book of the Year. Yeah. Should we? You know what? We'll throw in doing the cruise too. Another. What, book what, of what are we made out of money? <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. So congratulations goes out to Small Town Mentality, and all you got to do to win our retweet contest is subscribe or uh, follow us on Twitter, retweet us, mm-hmm. and a random winner every week. I'm just imagining being in bed with Marilyn Monroe and mm-hmm. and turning over and and hitting your, a plate with my leg <laughs> yeah, right. while she's reading Safe Inside yeah. by Lee King. Ah, okay. Well, I, I believe uh, y- you still are required to give me more minutia based on your contract. Um, Steve Stephen Miller's third grade teacher suspended after saying he ate glue, and we're talking about Stephen Miller, the uh, the Goebbels. Advice- <laughs> yeah, Goebbels. Right. We're not talking about the '70s rock icon Steve yeah. Miller. We're talking about Stephen Miller's advisor to. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. The guy who looks like Joseph Goebbels right. and, and, and talks like him and, and, and has and the is, sensibility is of him. him. Right. Uh, this comes out of South or Santa Monica, California. God, I did not increase the font on my. Yeah. Have you noticed? I'm stumbling. I, I have I noticed. You know, uh, Southern California School District has suspended a teacher who recounted how a senior aide to President Donald Trump, Stephen Miller, yeah. ate glue. Who, by the way, is like. 30 years old yeah, or something like I that. I know. Uh, well, have you seen that his uncles and his relatives are going, yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have seen that. So basically this teacher uh, by the name of Nikki Fisk is getting yeah. in trouble because she released information about a student. Well, you know, I guess that's probably, you probably well, shouldn't do that. But you know, if my teachers were asked uh, right. about, you know, little Ricky Kemper, yeah. you know what they would say? Yeah. Who? Ricky who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They would have no memory of me at all. Well, I actually, that was my take on this, is yeah. I came up with a couple of things that what my teachers would probably have said about me. Okay. Um, Dave Stern, yeah, he had really bad allergies. <laughs> Hasn't he been sick since 1973? <laughs> right. He was always picked last in gym class, I believe it was. Didn't he hit a triple right. one time <laughs> he in was 1977? Voted, he was voted thumb of the year, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, he's the guy who got beaten up in eighth grade by Stuart Coy over a swing. Oh, yeah. you mean you mean that boy with the big head of floppy hair yeah, right, exactly. that just had to brush it out of his eyes? Because mop top? He, uh, you mean mop top stir? <laughs> so Stephen Miller uh, ate glue, and maybe that is why. Well, 
Better than sniffing it. <laughs> Toxic. Well, maybe he did that too. <laughs> well, that's very nice. I'm glad we've learned that information about Stephen Miller, but now we must carry on, and we have this to uh, do. A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. Now, this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the Costco jar, but before you do that, let me just say that those of you who are going, hey, what happened to Just One Bad Century? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing Just mm-hmm. One Bad Century? Well, first of all, Cub season is over, mm-hmm. but second of all... Our celebrity guest coming up in just a few minutes. We're not going to tell who it is. Is a famous Cub player. And it's minutia related. Yeah. Uh, so that's all I'm going to say about that. So you, what uh, what do I have to tell you about today? Uh, Robert Redford. Now, this is an A-list guy. Okay. I mean, this is could be, is this the most famous Probably could be, right? I mean, one of the I most have, famous. You know, I told you about uh, Tom Hanks, haven't yeah. I? I told you about... Uh, I oh, know I haven't told you the Tom Hanks story yet. Did I tell oh, you about Tom, Tom Cruise? I think I told you about Tom Cruise. Yes, the uh, short guy who's like five one. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, so Robert Redford. Here's my Robert Redford story. I was in Utah skiing mm-hmm. with my college buddies, and it was I would say it was around 1986, 87, mm-hmm. something like that. And I was at, I got off the, the lift at the top of the hill. We were at Snowbird, which is not the same as Sundance, but Sundance is where he hangs out, apparently. Um, and as I skied off the lift, and Dave, I'll explain the whole skiing thing to you a little bit later. As I skied off the lift, I got to the top of the hill. I stood at the top looking down on a black run, and I thought, all right, can I do this? And I looked over to the guy next to me, and I said, what do you think? Is this one? Is this one that hard? And he said, "I know. I think it's. I think it's not that bad at all." And I looked over, and it was Robert Redford. <laughs> it was Robert Redford. He was standing right there on the ski slope, giving me advice on how to do this run. Did you that? I mean, you realized it was Robert Redford. Yeah. I like, did you go? I, I, I thank you, um, <laughs> Robert Redford. Yeah. That's why I said it. He goes, "Yes, I'm Robert Redford." I thought you lived in Sundance because yeah. he said, "Well, I'd go all over the place skiing." And all. Nice to meet you. So yeah. this was eighty six. So this is this is thirty years ago. Thirty years ago. So he he was big, big shit then, right? He was big, uh, but he was also short. Was he? Well, I you know he wasn't as tall as me, and well, I'm only five ten. You weren't, yeah. Well, you were on skis. So yeah. So I mean, inches or so. I guess. Did uh, that he remind- was also on skis. Well, I guess that is true. <laughs> I guess if you have a convert, if you convert it, yeah. yeah. Um, did I ever tell you this? This reminds me of a story that I have, and it's brush with greatness. Yeah. I was at a Bulls game. Okay. And Eddie Vedder was like three rows in front of me. All right. Okay. Everybody knows who Eddie Vedder is. Sure. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I didn't. Pearl Jam, lead I didn't, singer. Didn't bother him or whatever. And he's, you know, right there. So then at the as the game is over, he's just, I mean, he had great seats. It was like, you know, row two. Well, what you're saying, if you want to read between the lines, ladies and gentlemen, is Dave's also saying that he had great right. seats. Right. I had row five. He was, yes. But he, you know. This is Dave's little way of pointing out how important he is. Okay, go uh, ahead. So he's sitting there, or he's standing there, and after the game, I, I don't know if he was waiting for the players. This is, you know, in the Jordan-Pippen era. And all of a sudden, a Japanese woman comes up to him. Just, you know, uh, and I don't want to be racist, or not racist, but, you know, she had a camera. And this is in the days where people still had, you know, big cameras. Yeah. So. And her name was Yoko Ono. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> so she goes up to Eddie Vedder, and Eddie, you could kind of tell, and I was watching from afar, you know, three rows away. Yeah. 
And it looked like he was expecting her to say, you know, can I take a picture of you? Right. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you can kind of get him in. And he's like, from all accounts, a pretty nice guy. Yeah. From that's what I hear. What I hear. Yeah. Uh, so she gives him the camera and asks him to take a picture of her and her friend. Because <laughs> they, and he's like, Okay. Yeah. And he just takes the picture <laughs> and gives the camera. So this woman has no idea. She has no idea. Who took the picture. Uh, I love that. And it also reminds me of another story with Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. Well, before you tell that, uh, now that we're name dropping, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you remember when we went to that Who concert and Eddie Vedder opened up for the yeah, Who? Right. It was at the House of Blues. We paid like 300 yeah. bucks for those seats. In like 1990. Because it was their farewell show. Right. We, they were never going <laughs> right. to see him again. And I think it was the fifth or sixth time we went to the farewell show. But this was really it. They, well, they'll never tour again. Right. They're like 65. <laughs> you know, what's the, what's the chances of them touring again? But John Entwistle was still alive. It was, you know, it was through the right. three of them. Right. Right. And, right. and I think Zach Starkey is the drummer, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a huge deal. And remember, the crowd was all guys. Yeah. There were no women. Apparently, women don't like the who, which is something we discovered. Um, But anyway, while uh, Eddie Vedder came out to do like an opening act, he was booed off the stage. He was hooed. He was hooed (laughs) off the stage, not booed off the stage. Even though he was doing a fine job of an acoustic set, and he was Eddie Vedder, the lead singer of Pearl Jam, and he was doing it as a favor to Pete Townsend, the who fans were like, Get up! <laughs> right, you right. Suck. Yeah. I know. We're a tough. We're a tough group, aren't we? Well, at a who show that I went to, not too. Actually, I think you were at that one. I was getting a beer, and guess who was like? I don't know. Two lines over. Yoko Ono. <laughs> Dennis Miller. Oh yeah, you did tell me that. Wait, actually, story. were you? May have been next to me. Were you? I was there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Okay. I think that was before he became a crazy. I don't think so. I think he's always been a crazy. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, there you go. Now, um, this is we got it. Oh wait, you you teased Jeff Tweedy before we oh, get oh, to oh, our oh. guest uh, quickly. So Smoke Barbecue, you know Smoke Barbecue. Yeah, it's world. It's a world renowned barbecue place just yes. a couple blocks from our house. And um, I was standing in line waiting for my brisket, and some guy next to me. We just start talking about brisket and you know dry rub. Uh-huh. Not the not yeah. the edgy dry rub, right? The just the uh, grandpa, you know, <laughs> right? The grandpa dry rub, you know, and you know St. Louis style and whatever. And I'm just talking to him. We're talking about different places we've gone to barbecue or whatever. And he gets his food. And he goes, "Hey, nice talking to you." And he walks out of the woman behind me, who I didn't know, goes, "Do you know who that was?" I'm like, oh, "That's Jeff Tweedy." I'm like, oh, I, don't, "I have no idea who Jeff Tweedy is, right?" But he, I know that he likes, you know, he likes dry rub better than the. Well, so there you go. There's a story you're not going to hear anywhere else. And here's a guest that you'll not hear anywhere else. We have a big celebrity minutia guest. We have audio for that. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Okay, joining us on the phone. This is a, a big moment Thrill. for us at Minutia Men. We have uh, all-time Cubs great. Uh, he was a star on the Cubs when I was a kid and Dave was a kid. We used to watch him all the time. Good old number 23. He roamed third base and second base. I believe he played every position on the Cubs except for center field, pitcher, and catcher. Is that correct? Awesome. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know more about him than he knows about himself. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Carmen Fanzone, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So uh, you played on the Cubs back in the 70s. You, you were uh, teammates with several Hall of Famers. 
correct? Yes, right. Billy Williams, Ron Santo. Fergie. Fergie. Fer- Fergie and, um, um, let me see, uh, Ernie Banks. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ernie. Ernie. My, my first year, I came up in the end of 71, and that was Ernie's last year as a player. And I got to the last weekend of the, of the season, I got to play third, and, and he played first. So I got, I got a chance to play with him the last weekend of the 71 season. And then um, he became a coach for the next couple of years, and, of course, I was there at that point. So was Ernie a good guy? Yeah, he was a good guy. He was, uh, everybody loved him, and um, he just, uh, he was Mr. Cub. Yeah. So everybody, he was adored by everybody. So now, back back in your day when you were there, We've heard stories about what the uh, what Wrigley Field was like. You know that there were rats in the in the uh, in the catacombs. Yes. Uh, did you ever see anything like that? I mean, was it you know the, your dressing room was at the end of left field, and you guys uh, had to run out there? Was it was it kind of uh, a, a dumpy dump. dumpy place <laughs> compared to some of the other ballparks at that time? Well, you know, I wasn't. You know, I didn't have that many other ballparks to compare it to. You know, I broke in with the Red Sox. Uh, for a couple of months in '70, and their their you know their clubhouse wasn't much better. You know they were both very old, old ballparks, and I really didn't have it much to compare it to. I guess they've all the new ballparks now. It's uh, uh, I haven't seen them, but they're supposed to be you know first class and five star hotelish you know like. But uh, it was uh, it was a clubhouse. You know, uh, uh, I, I I didn't really didn't have it. Anything to compare it to, so it was okay. But back in your day, you guys also, uh, when you went on the road, you had roommates, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I had. I, I was fortunate enough that that uh, Blake Cullen, who was the traveling secretary at that point, uh, he said anybody that plays the trumpet should have a private room. <laughs> so, You're so going to bother everybody else. Right? <laughs> yeah, so I, I got. Um, I didn't have to room with anybody. What a great um, ploy! That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, my first year. I might have roomed uh, maybe with Gene Heiser for a short time, but but he said that uh, that's what he told me. He said anybody that plays trumpet should have a room by himself. So I didn't. I didn't have to. to well, uh, well, if you played the room. drums, you'd get the whole damn floor, probably. Right? <laughs> probably. Did probably. you travel you with put, your trumpet? Oh, always. I always took it with me, and uh, I was always looking for. You know, I was just. I would always try to practice a little bit during the day and and at night after the games and stuff. Even on the road, I was looking for places to play. Well, in, uh, in Chicago, were, had, there, were there any CD jazz clubs that you would play? Because you had all day games oh, yeah. in Chicago, right? Right, right. It was all day games then. So I, uh, the first place that I that I sat in was the back room down on Rush Street. Oh yeah. And I used I used to go there a lot, and that was uh, it worked out perfect for me because, uh, like you said. We were we were playing all day games at that point, and I met some musicians there, Judy Roberts and a bunch of other people, and Danny Long, and I would go sit in with them, and and I went down to Wise Fools a couple times too. But I think uh, Judy Roberts per- still plays at the uh, Hotel Intercontinental here oh. in Chicago. Well, she's yeah, she's living back and forth and from Phoenix in, in Chicago, I think, and I used to see her. I haven't seen her in about three or four years, but. I used to do Randy Randy Hunley's fantasy camp for about thirty years, okay. and, uh, and I would look forward to seeing her out in uh, in Phoenix. And I would sit in with her and Danny Long because they were doing like a duo at this club. Uh, and I would, for a lot of years, I would go you know 
the week that I did the fantasy camp, I would go sitting with them at night. So it was really a perfect situation for me, even even then during those fantasy camps. Did you see yourself as a uh, baseball player slash musician or a musician slash baseball player? Well, it just depends on what camp you were talking about. <laughs> you know, just um, the fact that I didn't play that much in Chicago. I was a utility player, and anytime I got uh, interviewed by Jack Rickhouse or anybody, they would always talk about my trumpet and my push-ups, you know, because I, <laughs> but that's because I was always working out before the games and stuff. But um, I don't know. I was a music major in college, and, and I started playing ball when I was about seven years old. So I just did them both all my life, and I just... Uh, I was just fortunate enough that I had both of them. Um, you know, when one wasn't going well, I could fall back on the other and vice versa. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, when I played Little League, Carmen, as you know about my stellar career in, in Little League. <laughs> you probably read about it. Yeah, I, I batted like, you know, 106 against the <laughs> career batting average of 106. But Stephen Melcher was a kid that I, I, I mean, I owned that guy. I batted like 800 against uh, Stephen Melcher. Who is your Stephen Melcher in the in the bigs? Was there some guy that you just knew that you were going to face, that you were going to, you had a chance and that you were going to get a hit? You know, the fact that, you know, I didn't play, you know, consistently. So they're really, I really, um, the closest that I could get to that was a, a former teammate of mine, Ken Brett. Okay. Uh, the fact that, he was left-handed, and, and I would get to play more against left-handers than I did right-handers. So he played for um, a bunch of different clubs. He played with Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh and, and maybe somebody else. But yeah. I, I had pretty good success against him. Maybe I had three or four home runs off him. Well, we're going to get him I, on I the air next and tell him what you just said. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he, he's he, he gone, so you're not going to get yeah. a chance to. <laughs> Sorry about but this. He, was, um, he was a big bonus baby with Boston when I um, – we broke in together but uh and then conversely you know i, I get to face bob gibson a couple of times yeah. and that was the end of his career but uh, i faced him once in in st louis i think in 72 when i when, uh, my first full year and um How'd i, I you felt do? like that i at least i felt like i at least had a chance i, I maybe I, I maybe went over four but i didn't feel like i was overwhelmed or, or, or overmatched, but then I got to face him again a week later in Wrigley Field, and I, I just felt that I had no chance. I just uh, and, You and, and about 10,000 other this, people. Yeah, this was at the end of his career, so I can't imagine what he was like early on, but he was such a fierce competitor and such a great athlete, and uh, and I did a couple of fantasy camps with him with Randy Hunley, and he's he was even tough to be around, you know, just to, you couldn't small talk him. You know, yeah. he, would, he would, he would call you on everything. He just, uh, he was such a, you know, a commanding personality. You know, if he was in the room, you know, he was, he was, he was on the soapbox. It was his room, you know, so it's just, but he was just that kind of guy, Very strong, strong personality. So, you know, uh, you, you, we talked briefly about, uh, Fergie Jenkins, um, uh, he came to one of our book events uh, recently, and we, we we run into a lot of the Cubs here in Chicago, some of them that still live here, uh, Jose Cardinal right. occasionally. Uh, right. Do you stay in touch with any of your old teammates? I know you do the fantasy camps, but other than that, well, do you? Well, that, that was the only time that I would see them, you know, and I did, you know, those fantasy camps for about 30 years, mm -hmm. up until about three or four years ago, you know, Randy stopped calling me. And then I just figured that I had had enough, you know, I, I did it for about 30 years, and I would see... I would see Billy and, and Jose and 
Ron Sandel before he passed, and 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 uh, Beckert does them every year, and uh, of course Randy and his son uh, Todd, and and I, so I would see the guys at the fantasy camps, but that would be the only time that I would see them because, of course, living in California, um, I wouldn't run across anybody. If I if I had still lived in Chicago, I'm sure that I would have seen more more of the of my ex teammates. Joe Pepitone, we've heard, I read his autobiography. He seemed to be uh, someone who definitely liked a drink or two. Uh, did you see any of that with Joe Pepitone? Uh, and and plus, what's the story with his hair? Was that really a wig, or what? What are we talking? Yeah, he um, he was a distinct personality. He was um, <laughs> he was Joe Pepitone from probably the day he was born, and he still. <laughs> I just saw that he just turned seventy seventy eight. I think he's a year older than me, and. He had a wonderful career, you know. He just uh, um, when I think of when I think of Joe, you know, I just uh, it was of course his his hair pieces and stuff are legendary. You know, right. he, he used to um, he wouldn't go out to the national anthem, you know, because he didn't want to take his hat off. And, and <laughs> did, then, you, but, did you guys ever was, like hide his hair piece before? He would have killed you, well, probably. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try that. But uh, and there was one time that he used. You know, like he was catching a pop-up, you know, and it was a windy day. <laughs> and he was he was holding his hat down with his one hand and and, uh, and catching the ball with the other hand. And then another 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 time, I remember in the clubhouse, it's the only time I ever saw him in the shower without his without his rug on. And it was just it was frightening. <laughs> yeah, right. It was it's a, a, right. It was, Who's that guy? Such right. a, yeah, exactly. He was such a. A, a vain guy that he was always suntanned, you know, and I mean, he probably even went to, you know, tanning salons, you know, but he was so, he was so dark, but then without his rug, his top of his head was completely white, just yeah. like stone white. Just <laughs> never saw was, the light of day. Exactly right. You know, he looked like, uh, looked like a 90 year old man in the shower, you know, but with his, with his rug on, he was he was Joe Pepitone. Yeah, well, as a bald man, I think I'm going straight to uh, get a get, getting a toupee on the way out, home from the studio today. Uh, do you remember any of your salaries? Now, obviously, we know how much baseball players make now versus what they did in the '70s. But do you, and not to pry, but do you have any idea or remember any of your salaries from back in the? Oh, of course, of course. When I first started, you know, the minimum was sixteen five. Oh, wow, and that's what I was getting. 16, Million thousand five hundred. <laughs> Now the now the the minimum I think is about it's close to five hundred thousand, but um, and then my top salary was thirty two five. Not bad. Uh, after 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 three years and uh, uh, salaries were you know different then you know the yeah. top I think the the top top guy was making one hundred and fifty grand and it possibly was was Ted Williams who, who played before me but but I remember that uh, that the White Sox. Um, gave Richie Allen, I think, $250,000. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was way out of line with, with the top salaries in baseball at that point. And they just, I think they really tried to get him to to stay interested and, 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 and come to play every day. You know, and they even give him a TV show. Yeah. And I was a guest on his TV show once, you know, and he didn't even show for the TV show. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> so yeah, it was the Carmen so Fan Zone show then. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I, uh, they, they, they were giving out watches, and I, and I, I got a watch to be on the show. But he, he didn't show that particular day. But, uh, but that his his salary was, was, was I think way more than than the top salary at that point. And they just tried to keep him, 
keep him interested. And now, you know, I don't know, it was the 250 grand was the top salary then, and now it's no, it's over 30 million yeah. for for yeah. one year. It's just yeah. it's gone completely bonkers, and it's just. Uh, uh, it's it's almost like they're playing with monopoly money now. It's just I don't know where the money's coming from. It's just uh, it's unbelievable. Just un- you know, twenty years ago I said you know the salaries can't go much higher than this. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And every year it gets it gets more bizarre. You know, and and now um, I don't know if uh, if you're aware of it, but I'm one of the about five hundred or six hundred. Uh, ex-athletes or ex-ball players that played before 1980 that didn't qualify for a pension. Oh no, I didn't know and, that. And, so yeah, you're getting fighting you're, that. You're getting nothing from yeah, we, MLB. We've been fighting that for years. You know, in 1980, if you played prior to 80, you needed four years to be vested. And I and I came up 85 days short. Oh and There's my a gosh. lot of us. A lot of us that that did come up short of the four years. Gene Heiser's another one, and and. Um, but uh, in 1980, they made they made a new deal that uh, all you needed to be in the big leagues was 43 days to be vested. And it's just and, and now with the money that they're making, you know, it's just if you have half a brain, you won't even need a pension. Well, it you know, seems which, like you know, uh, just making it to the majors should qualify you for a pension because you know people talk about yeah maybe you didn't play that many games in the majors but just making it to the majors is a gigantic achievement don't you think well of course of course it's just uh, there's such a small percentage of of people that get to get you know to get to that level you know but it's just the idea that it's everything is about money but this is not about money right you know it's just the pension fund is is supposed to be over three billion dollars strong, you know. So it's not it's not about money. It's just the fact that they don't they don't want to, you know, and they're they, and they're not obligated to 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 bring us into the pension plan because uh, we played under the the rules that you needed four years to be vested. But they've they've changed them in the past. You know, it used to be five years, and then they changed it to four to accommodate Satchel Page, and and and. And all it would have to do is 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 uh, the players' association would would have to bring it to Major League Baseball. And up to this point, Dave Clark, um, the, Tony Clark, uh, Tony, Tony Clark, yeah, yes. the, the new head of the players' association, has been just uh, he's had a deaf ear to our request. You know, we've we've and we have a Doug Gladstone who wrote a book, A Bitter Cup of Coffee, about all of us that missed the pension. And uh, he's written so many articles, and 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 we're just uh, we're just trying to get the attention of Major League Baseball, and, and basically we're trying to embarrass them to 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 do the right thing, you know, because it's uh, like I said, it's not about money, you know. There's there's so much money to be had that it, it would be a drop in the bucket to include us, you know. They're giving us a few dollars each year now, but it's not it's not a pension, and it's just a dollar amount. And and if when we when we pass, you know, our loved ones you don't won't receive that, you know. So it's not it's not a pension. It's just uh, you know. Anyway, it's it's very frustrating, and we've been fighting this fight for since you know since 1980. And is there anything until that until now to no avail? Is there anything that our listeners can do? Is there a uh, I don't know a website that are petitioned to sign or anything? I'm now feeling for you, buddy. I want to do yeah, something. Yeah, well, can help you get the word out. Yeah, you know, um, our our my my good friend Doug Gladstone, who wrote the letter, he's always writing, writing um, 
uh, articles and stuff. I mean, I have, I have Dave's um, email address. I'm going to pass along some of the things that he's written, so you you can get up to speed. Great. You know exactly what we're dealing with, and whatever whatever help that you could, oh, you, we'd love you could to do them really be really be appreciated oh we would love to love you to. know do you ever say yeah. to them look my number has been retired at wrigley field see there it is flying on the right field's pole number 23 yeah he uh, i knew that uh, that uh, that he was going to make that number very famous and he did you know ryan sandberg you know but the fact that i wore it before he did and i even wore it before michael michael jordan wore it with the bulls so uh um, trendsetter you know, he, carmen uh, you're the trendsetter <laughs> you may be the only. I'm sorry. I could, it's yeah. still, it's it's very important to me, and I and of course my license plate here out in in California is Cub 23. So you know it's still my number, even though he made it very famous. So uh, you also, I think one of the reasons that we remember you, and you probably know this, that's why you were on all the shows all that all that time was because of the your being a musician and a, and a baseball player. It's a very rare combination. And if I remember correctly, and please tell me I'm, if I'm wrong, I know there was a game that you played the national anthem with your trumpet, but didn't you oh, sure. also appear on The Tonight Show? You know, uh, I did play the national anthem. It was on June 18, 1972. We were playing the Dodgers, and it it turns out that that's my wife's birthday, and I hadn't met her yet. And my wife is a, a famous jazz singer, Sue Rainey. And, um, of course, we were playing the Dodgers, and when I moved out here, uh, and, and in fact, that was Father's Day that, that day also, and she was born on Father's Day, which only occurs like every seven or eight years. So there were so many, so many things that fell into place that particular day. And when I moved out here, and the fact that uh, we were playing the Dodgers, a lot of my musician friends that I met, had seen the game, and uh, so they knew about you know knew about me and my and my music background. But um, and then uh, the the Tonight Show thing, I don't know how that that got started. It got in the papers that um, that I never did play in the Tonight Show band because you know playing in that band is like like making the Hall of Fame as right. a musician. Yeah, so that's that true. was really the, that that was really. A, a, but I used to hang out there a couple times a week because I. A couple of the trumpet players in the band, Johnny Audino and Conti Condoli, they saw me play in, in Dodger Stadium, and they saw me hit a home run in Dodger Stadium. And, and for the years, they're both past now. But, but any time that I saw them, they would always talk about the home run at Dodger Stadium. We never talked music when I was with those guys. <laughs> That's all they ever talked about was my home run. And they, they thought it was off of off of Colfax, but it wasn't. It was off of Bill Singer. No, it wasn't. It was, after, it was off of Colfax. That's you did, the story you, you got to start telling. You didn't correct them, did you? <laughs> right. I couldn't, I couldn't change their mind. Yeah, exactly. And why bother? <laughs> they, 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 right? knew it was, they knew it was Colfax, but it was off Bill Singer. Well, thank you very much, Carmen, for being on our show. It's a big thrill for us. We we followed your career when we were kids, and uh, we're not kids anymore, but uh, we, uh, well, we're thrilled to have you. Well, none of us are. None no. of us are. That's true. But definitely send us information, and we would love to be able to, whatever we can do. I uh, will. I'll fill, you, I'll fill you in on this. And Dave, Rick, both of you, I really enjoy talking to both of you. And, and uh, it's an honor to be, uh, 
to be asked to do something like this. Yeah, well, much health to you and your family. And uh, hey, we'll have you on again. <laughs> yeah, sure. How about next Thursday? What are you doing next Thursday? <laughs> Thanks, Carmen. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Oh, man, come on. Carmen Fan Zone. You could do worse than a Carmen Fan Zone on a My Thursday. My paisan. Yes. <laughs> your paisan. Well, Germany, did they take over Italy? No. No, no, we were pals. <laughs> no, that's pals. right. Mussolini, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until uh, that went south. Well, yeah. I didn't want to bring that up. Uh, so if you want to find out more about Rick and Dave and maybe even Carmen Fanzone, you can uh, check us out at ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com. We're also at uh, EckhartsPress.com. we got a lot going on. we got a-, got a lot going on. But also we'd like to thank a couple of people, especially our producer, Tony Lasano from Opie Productions, and Ed Silla, who is the, uh, the man that... Got us on Spotify. Right, exactly. And he, he distributes. Uh, He's like the Johnny Appleseed of podcast. He is. Um, and we'll be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Men. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. If you like Minutia Men with Rick and Dave, you you can you can not miss a moment of this show. Dave, how did they do that? Uh, you can go on iTunes and you could subscribe. Uh, Minutia Men on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is our link. Uh, you can go on Stitcher. Do it there. You can do it on Google Play if you're a Google guy. Uh, tune in. You can um, subscribe via that. And you can also go to the radiomisfits.com. That's our network website. And if you click our show, all of those options are going to come up on our page. And you can click whatever one works for you. It's and free. It, right. People get it automatically, instantly. A new episode is available. Poof, it's there on your phone or your computer or however you want to listen to us. It's no hassle, and it's the it's the Minutia Men podcast with Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits podcast network. RadioMisfits.com.